B-Pod Studios. What are the new trends emerging quickly that impact our business? Who are the thought leaders bringing these new products to market? And what lessons in leadership can we bring to our everyday life? Beasley Media Group Executive Vice President of Strategy and Innovation, Buzz Knight, brings all of this to life with this podcast, Healthy Paranoia. On this edition of Healthy Paranoia, I'm thrilled to speak with Gary Shapiro, the president and CEO of the Consumer Technology Association, about his new book, Ninja Future. Every year, we look forward to CES in Vegas as a motivating force to bring back to our organization and inspire our breakthrough thinking for the years ahead. And his new book helps us cast our eye on the future brilliantly to help our business. Here's Gary Shapiro on Healthy Paranoia. Gary, thanks so much for joining us here on Healthy Paranoia. Uh, Every year, as you know, I love venturing to CES to be inspired for the coming year, and this uh, past year was no exception. And now, as uh, the backdrop to the event, the release of your great new book, Ninja Future, which is your your third book. So congratulations on the release. I'm recommending it to everybody. Well, thank you, Buzz, and and thanks for uh, coming to and focusing on CES. It was an amazing event. You know, we set all sorts of records in terms of our footprint, new product introductions. and But really, it's the optimism that all these new technologies are producing and people see the ways they'll solve these fundamental problems involving our health, our transportation, agriculture, communication, you name it. The world is changing so rapidly, and we see it at CES, and, and people are inspired there to, to see the future, and uh, they also come up with business ideas. And as I remind people, uh, the Consumer Technology Association uh, started as the radio manufacturer Manufacturers Association. So uh, everything comes full circle, right? Yes, it's uh, 1924 uh, we started, and um, I guess we're coming up on our centennial in a few years, and people are starting to talk about that. I don't know what we're going to do, but we'll figure something out. But it's been 100 years since the radio really took off commercially, which caused an association to be formed, and obviously we've gotten way beyond that to everything from robotics to artificial intelligence and self-driving cars and all sorts of new business models that have really changed changed how we live, work, and play. You refer a lot in the book to what shaped you as a child uh, to ultimately what has uh, led you to become, uh, if you will, the chief future ninja of the Consumer Technology Association. Take us back uh, to some of that period. For example, your your love of science fiction that you talk about frequently in Ninja Future. Yeah, when I was a kid, I just consumed science fiction books because of all the different possibilities of the future they, they have. I confess, I have haven't had time to read much lately. A lot of the things that were being talked about, like uh, new forms of communication and self-driving cars and things like that, we're starting to see the reality of, or, or the ability to have information at your fingertips, or communicate in all sorts of ways, or even smartphones and things like that. These are things that science fiction writers were just assuming, and then they, you know, they have the conflicts they'd create. We haven't met the aliens yet, um, and the creatures from other planets, but whether it was Star Trek, which I used to watch religiously, or Star Wars. I mean, there's definitely a big future ahead of us. Uh, Of course, most of us won't get to see it, um, but our future generations will. But right now, we're just changing so rapidly in terms of technology, and I can't think of a better 
time to be alive than to witness these changes. They're so fundamental. I mean, it, in a sense, it was a slow beginning when we went from three networks to many. We had radio and television. Um, radio had more choices than television, but then we went to cable and satellite, and then we went to CDs and uh, navigational devices and all sorts of things, and then we went to cellular. I remember my first cellular phone was close to $1,000. It was like a huge investment I was making, and I'm not quite sure why in retrospect, but you could still spend $1,000, but you get a lot more for your, your – your, now you get a smartphone, you get a tremendous amount. And ironically, the, um, the thing of my era, and perhaps yours, was getting your driver's license in your car, and that was the big freedom moment. Now uh, a lot of teenagers today, that's not important to them. They have their freedom in their smartphone in their hands, and that allows them to get an Uber or a Lyft. It allows them to get around and communicate, um, and it, the things have changed. And then and getting to this period in time has been pretty remarkable and changes in so many ways. But I think in the next 10 years, we're going to see more changes than we saw in the last, I don't know, 50 or 60. It's just there's so many things going on right now in terms of personalized medicine or robotics or artificial intelligence or self-driving cars that we're going to be healthier. We will be able to get around easier. Uh, we'll be in many ways more environmentally friendly. We'll be more resilient. Uh, especially as we see different things coming about with climate change, whether it's the, the real cold we've had or the hot weather or the rising sea or whatever, I think we'll be figuring out ways to deal with it and perhaps slow it down. And we'll also uh, be able to empower a lot of the people outside the U.S. and the world that have not benefited the way we have, where most of our population has smartphones and different cable or satellite services or different opportunities. And that's, uh, I think, will really change the world. Gary, what are in your view, some of today's best examples of companies who excel as uh, future ninjas? Well, I mean, you know, the the big ones like Amazon um, is just a brilliant company in terms of continuing to reinvent itself, even though it's a very young company. I mean, when uh, Jeff Bezos first introduced the Kindle, you know, why would he do something when they're, they're basically were a book-selling company and they're selling books, and he created something to compete with them, which was a Kindle. And that became enormously popular. And then, of course, they went to other areas. And as Jeff said it just recently, I was uh, listening to him speak a few months ago, and he said, basically, we want to – no company lasts more than 50 or 70 years for the most part. We'd like to extend that to maybe 100 years, and that's my job. Um, you know, but they, they're definitely the big one. And then there's a, you know, I compare that with a company like Benji Lock, which is a tiny company started by an immigrant from the Dominican Republic. Um, he could have gone into gangs. He lost his job. His wife was having, you know, pregnant, having a baby. He had no means. And he just had this idea when he was working out in a gym to have, why, does, you know, why do I have to know have a key for my padlock, for my locker? Why can't I use my fingerprint? And he introduced it at CES 2017. He got funding from, they were competing with him on Shark Tank on ABC to see, you know, who could um, give him the most money. And now he's, you know, he's living the American dream. He has, a, he has a team of people producing him, and he's an immigrant, and he's supporting his family and creating jobs. And that's, to me, a great example of a ninja innovator. I mean, they saw, he saw a need, and he went after it, and he could have gone in a totally different direction, but that's, that's what we're all about here in this country. Can you talk about um, the concept of business leaders and the need for them to be flexible in today's climate, which you, you talk about in Ninja Future? Yeah. 
I mean, being a ninja is is someone who uh, it was an ancient Japanese fighter who won against great odds with a smaller force, but they did certain things. Uh, one of them is get a you know a team together, practice, prepare, plan. But the truth is, as a military people say, when you hit the battlefield, everything changes. So no matter how great you think your plan is, the fact is you're going to hit stuff that you don't expect, and how you're going to deal with it. In the corporate and the business leader world, those are changes that are. You can't predict for the most part. There are new competitors. You look at your old competitors out there, you think you know your competition, but you don't. Getting back to Amazon, you know, there was a, they were a competition of booksellers who were only looking at each other, and they didn't respond very quickly at all. Um, and now most of the booksellers are out of business. So you have to be thinking about creating your own competition, about if you were going to create your competition, how would do it? I mean, look at what Steve Jobs of Apple did when he, you know, had little groups create the smartphone and, and the, uh, the iPad. They were, they were creating new com- competition for their own products, in a sense, and inventing new things. So you have to be out there. You have to be going across verticals. You have to be able to cut deals. And you have to be able to think about the big picture and about what leadership means. To me, leadership is standing up for what's right. And it's not only about your company. Sometimes it's about your country. Uh, we led an effort of different groups to try to speak out very vocally about the government shutdown because we weren't pointing fingers at the Republicans or the Democrats. We were just saying, you know, political leaders aren't standing up to do what's best for the country. They're standing up to do what's best for their party. And a bunch of business leaders got together and said, this is unacceptable. And that's sometimes leadership is, is just about doing what's right. And we're seeing that more and more in the business world is it, you know, I don't always agree with it myself. And I've found myself boycotting brands because they're taking positions on issues, which maybe are very divisive. But sometimes you just have to stand up and say, this is right. And this is what I believe in and risk your, in a sense, your company and its brand and, and, and even your job to do that. So leadership is about um, actually leading. It's not about following. And that's really important. But it's about leading a group or people are taking a position and doing something different. It's about going into a new area. It's about going with your gut um, sometimes, and, and sometimes you have to take risks. That's what business is about. That's what makes this country great is we have had people take risks. And, you know, most of the time people fail when they're startups. But that's allowed us to have everything from great restaurants to uh, great companies. And that's the American way that I really believe in. So there's so much in the book about smart cities. You use that great example of the uh, the Carnival Corporation uh, that was on display last year, actually, at CES. Can you talk about how they became proficient uh, at being a future ninjas at Carnival? Well, we all know we're going towards smarter cities. People have, for the last 50 years have been moving into cities more and more. That's, that trend is expected to continue. So two-thirds of the world population and be living in cities in the next 20 or 30 years. Um, so how do cities deal with that? Well, they're dealing with it by self-driving cars. There's a lot, you won't have to have all this space devoted to parking. It'll be, it'll be cleaner. It'll be, you have to get resources there. You have to have broadband, um, power, uh, water, in and out. You have to do all that food. You have to, how do you get them in there? So we know that that's going to happen. The cities will become smarter. I mean, look, anyone who's waited for two or three minutes at a stupid traffic light when there's no traffic knows that we could do a better job using existing technology and, and, and smart city planners are making investments to make their cities so that they're serving their citizens better. Uh, Carnival looked at this and said, you know what, we are a city and we're a self-contained city on a, these cruise ships and we could do so much better in, in terms of not only serving our existing consumers but designing boats for the future. We could cut our power, we could um, do much better in terms of the, the food and what we get on, on, our, on our ships. 
CES, and they did a total analysis. They invested tremendously, and they wanted to launch it at CES. And they, uh, Arnold Donald, their CEO, gave a vision. It was just so compelling. And a year later, I was able to go visit the first uh, ship down in Miami that, that had this. And it was very impressive in terms of every passenger got a medallion. The medallion knew where they were. They could predict what kind of drink they wanted. It served them. Um, they didn't have to walk around with any money or do anything. And it just their, their, their needs were increasingly met. Because in a sense, they're giving up permission about the, to the, the cruise ship owner saying, this is what I like, this is what I do. But in turn, the cruise ship is making everything customized for them so it serves their needs. It also saves power along the way. Like, there's no reason to keep the power going on in your in your berth if you're, you know, half a ship away uh, at, a, at a show watching something. So the, the one of the biggest costs of cruise ships is power, and that allows it to reduce the cost of that. So where do you envision uh, media's place in the uh, smart cities uh, in the future? Um, the smart city in the future, media will be uh, a big part of it. What type of media is the question? Um, the nature? Yeah, specifically radio. Uh, you know, radio has a great advantage in being pervasive, cheap, uh, broadband to many. Um, definitely, uh, as we're seeing, that there's a certain amount of, amount of fragility in, in our environment um, in terms of whether it's the, the ice cold or the fires or, or whatever, where we can't just depend upon the resources we've had. Radio provides a, a quick, easy emergency communication vehicle, and it also provides a localism that people like. So radio is, is there. I mean, I'm, I was in, caught in the Napa Valley fires, and the only way you could get any information, I couldn't. the telecommunications was down, the Internet was down, no electricity. As you literally went into the parking lot and turned on a car to listen to the radio to find out what was going on. So radio uh, is part of the, the mandate I think we all have to be resilient and, and self-sustainable. If you want to use even a better phrase, it's anti-fragile. And there's a book about that. I talk about that in my book. And radio is something that's, um, that's, that has opportunities. It doesn't own the market the way it used to. I and mean, there's a lot of competition out there with all sorts of uh, different audio means. But it's, it'll play a role. And it's just a matter of figuring out what that is. Well, lastly, just to wrap everything together, back to the radio business and ninja future strategies. So how can we in our business best apply it, uh, apply those ninja future strategies in the business moving forward? Well, I think experimentation, thinking outside the box. I mean, radio has continued to evolve since I was a kid in so many different ways, um, from just playing hit songs and running contests to now uh, it seems more uh, some of the successful shows are personality-driven. They're recognizing who their audience is and, and delivering the audience, but experimenting still, always experimenting, and frankly, partnering with other media. I mean, with the radio's advantage is that it's a low-cost media to reach a large number of people, and you can also make someone um, give people a lot of attention on it that they want and crave, and it's a matter of figuring out how to use it. So I would definitely be experimenting. I'd be partnering. I'd be merging. I'd be uh, figuring out how to serve an advertiser and approach an advertiser with an idea and, and you know, a lot of cross-promotion and get it in there so that you're the preferred radio um, choice. Or, or actually media choice for those in the uh, relevant areas. So I, I think radio has great opportunity, frankly. I, I think it's because it's so robust, so out there, so pervasive, and it will survive where a lot of this newer media may not be able to uh, withstand some of the 
physical disruptions that we're likely to be getting in the future. Well, Gary, we appreciate your generosity every year when we go to uh, CES and uh, the inspiration that we get from going there from uh, from you and your your great team. And uh, I want to recommend to everybody the new book, Ninja Future, your third release. I know the other two were New York Times bestsellers, so I have no doubt this one will be also. So, Gary, thanks for being on Healthy Paranoia today. Thank you, Buzz, and thanks for uh, focusing on innovation in the future. It's so important to those that are listening to this, and I think it's uh, we're always caught up in the present, and it's good to plan for the future. That's what we have to do as leaders. Thanks for listening to Gary Shapiro, the president and CEO of the Consumer Technology Association, about his new book, Ninja Future on Healthy Paranoia. Thanks for listening to Healthy Paranoia with Buzz Knight. Production assistance provided by Boston Beasley Media Group's Mark Clark.